0: Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest lays the foundation of the series Tools of Prayer for America. All right, say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about tools of prayer for America. Okay, and you'll see why I chose that title as I describe what happened to me a little over a month ago in the city of New Orleans. Trisha and I were there visiting Alicia, our middle daughter, and her husband, Josh. And I had occasion to take an afternoon nap on their living room couch. And here's the scenario. It's the afternoon, and you know, you get that afternoon's glaze that comes on your eyes. And uh, Josh says, I'm going to go take a nap. Trish and Leish decide they're going to go shopping, and they ask me, do you want to come with us? (laughs) I said, let me pray about that. No. (laughs) So I saw my opportunity, and I took it. Amen. I took a big dog nap on their living room couch. During that nap on the 6th of July, I had what many call a waking dream in which there were thousands of people gathered together on a large grassy area, and they were there to celebrate the birth of our nation during the week of the 4th of July, which happened to be the week that we were actually in. And in the dream, they were organized in groups. There was thousands upon thousands of them. They were organized in groups of different national origins, different ethnic groups, all different types of people, but they were all Americans. And they were playing music, cooking hot dogs, playing games, and having a good time. And there wasn't any drinking or carousing going on, so I surmised in my spirit that they were predominantly Christian. But even though it was a huge celebration and they were Christians for the most part, There was a darkness hovering over the grounds that nobody seemed to be aware of or nobody seemed to care about. And then I had an urgency in my spirit that they were celebrating much too long. And it was now time to transition from celebrating to praying. Not that there's anything wrong with celebrating. I celebrate with the best of them. You know, Christians can party with the best. But we just party the way the Lord parties. Amen. All right. But I just sense in my spirit that they were too long celebrating and it was now time for them to turn their attention to the darkness and to begin to pray for America. And I knew that my assignment, I just knew it on the inside, was to call them to pray for America. And as I received that call in my spirit, there was a man standing to my right. I don't remember how he was dressed. All I remember is that this man knew everything about America that there was to know. I believe it was the Lord. And he handed me a huge toolbox. I mean, a huge toolbox. Now, in dreams, you're evidently stronger than you are in real life. But I was able to hold it, but no problem. But it was huge. It was a gray toolbox like you'd see in anybody's garage, except it was about four times bigger than your average toolbox. Now, I knew in my spirit that the tools that we needed to pray for America were in that toolbox. And I had to take that toolbox and present it to the masses and call them to pray for America. I just knew that. It was as as if the man on my right was able to transfer that to me through spiritual osmosis. I just knew in my spirit I had to make these tools available to the masses so they could pray more powerfully and more effectively for America. So I took the toolbox and balanced it on a long, narrow table. And At first, I tried to put the toolbox on the table on the top and parallel, but the table was too long and narrow, so it wasn't stable. I knew the moment that I unlocked and opened up that toolbox, it would tump over. That's a southern word. So he ended up having to balance it on the narrow table, perpendicular on top of the table, in such a way that it formed a cross. Isn't that interesting? Talk about that in a minute. And once it was balanced, and I knew it wouldn't fall over, I opened it up to make the tools available to the thousands that were there before me. And I said to the crowds, Let us use these tools to honor our forefathers and let us pray for America. America needs our prayers. But they couldn't hear me because the noise of the music and the celebration was just too loud. I mean, I'm talking thousands of people and only one person trying to get them to pay attention to what I was saying. So I had to shout at the top of my lungs at each of the groups and tell them to shut down the music. The last group I came to was a group of Chinese who didn't understand English real well. So I had to do this. I gave them the cut sign and they nodded their head and they cut their music and there was total silence. When I began to lead them in prayer, I exhorted them to remember the prayers of our forefathers, especially the prayers of President Abraham Lincoln. It was as if the man on my right was feeding this information to my spirit and I was just being obedient. It was a short dream, but it was a powerful dream. I mean, after I began to lead these masses in prayer, I woke up. I woke up. And when I woke, I felt compelled to do two things. Number one, find the prayers of Abraham Lincoln, whatever that meant. And number two, list out and study all the tools that are available to the church that we can use to pray for America. Amen? Hallelujah. I remember the first person I told about the dream was my wife, and she's a witness here. I was so overcome by the Spirit of God that all I could do was weep when I was telling her about the dream. You know, I've been prone to dreams and visions most of my adult life. So it's just part of my life. And I know when a dream is a dream from God. And this was a dream from God. And this was a mandate from God to put out a call to pray for America. Now, obviously, I'm not a nationally known pastor or leader. And there are others that have received this mandate. But I received it too. And I got to put out the word, the way the Lord showed it to me. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm praying that as we put this out on the podcast and it goes out on the airwaves, you know, we have people all over the world that listen to our podcast, that people will heed the call to pray for America, even other nations. America is the light of the world. That's what the Lord spoke to me as I sat there contemplating this powerful dream. I was asking the Lord, why do we need to pray for America? You know, it's a kind of a loaded question, and I know the answer to that. And the Lord said, because America is the light of the world. And they're the conveyor of that light to the nations. So it's crucial that we pray for America. And it's also crucial, if you're listening on the podcast from other nations, pray for America. Pray for America. America is the light of the world. And the conveyor of the gospel light to the nations. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I pray that somehow, some way, that this call to pray for America can be communicated to the body of Christ, beginning right here at Faith Life Fellowship. And I pray also that this call to prayer will be heeded by the church. So I searched and eventually I found a proclamation a national call to prayer that was made by President Lincoln in 1863. It addressed a divided nation, torn because of the curse of slavery and the resulting civil war. After reading the proclamation, I knew why the Lord led me to seek it out and why he wanted me to share it with as many Christians as I could. Once again, we find ourselves a divided nation. I've heard it said more than once that we're in the midst of another civil war. How many have heard that? So the call to prayer in my dream was simple. Let us answer the call to pray for America and let us use every tool that the Lord has made available for us to pray powerfully and effectively. Amen. Hallelujah. The Christians of America need to take the lead. We need to come together. We need to set aside our differences and pray for America like never before. We may not agree on politics. We may not agree on every little doctrine. But there's one thing that every true Christian can believe and support and agree upon. In order to push back the darkness that threatens to overtake our nation, we need to pray that righteousness prevails in our nation. In every sphere of influence, in every state, in every city of our great nation, and in every election, state, local, or federal. So I'm going to read Lincoln's proclamation. As I do, I want you to note what an amazing call to prayer it is and how very timely it is for us to reflect upon it and apply it to the America of 2018. President Abraham Lincoln's proclamation a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer in the United States of America on April 30th, 1863. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by a resolution required the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to owe their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And in so much as we know that by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war which now desolates the land may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us, then, to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. I gotta say an amen. I, I'm sorry. I just, I, amen. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th day of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all the people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings, no less than the pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done at the city of Washington this 30th day of March in the year of our Lord 1,863 and of the independence of the United States, the eighty-seven, by the President, Abraham Lincoln, William H Seward, Secretary of State. It sounds a lot like the proclamation of 2nd Chronicles 7:14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. That was a hundred and fifty-five years ago, that that proclamation was issued. I say we need a new proclamation for 2018 to echo the sentiments of that great proclamation, in line with Second Chronicles 7:14. But beyond this powerful call to prayer by one of our greatest presidents, there are tools available to us that we can use when we pray for America, and these were the tools in the toolbox of my dream. If you remember, I had to balance the toolbox perpendicular to and on top of the narrow table in such a way that it formed a cross. That's significant. Therefore, all the tools we're going to study and learn about in this series have to be balanced upon the finished work of the cross. What has already been established and what already belongs to us. So here are some of the tools that the Lord showed me that were in our toolbox and need to be used to pray more effectively and more powerfully for America. Number one, binding and loosing. Number two, prayer of agreement. Number three, the name of Jesus. Number four, the blood of Jesus. Number five, fasting and prayer. And number six, something I call spirit-led prayer. Amen. And uh, we're going to use this list as an outline as we start this series, again, entitled Tools of Prayer for America. Now, even though we're going to study these individually, as most of you know that have been praying for a while, there's a lot of overlap with these tools when you pray them out practically, okay? So it's not like you just use one, you use them in combination in tandem many times, amen. Amen. Now, these tools are going to be familiar to some of us, but not to all of us, so we need to put them out there so that, so that others who are unfamiliar with these tools can learn to pray more powerfully and more effectively. We've got people listening to the podcast who may not know about this. and I think sometimes we, word of faith people, we assume a lot. You know, we think that everybody knows what we know and has been taught what we've been taught. It's not always the case. So we're going to go through all of these. And I know it will be familiar to some of you and maybe not familiar to others. You can use these tools for yourselves, for your friends, your relatives, praying for your fellow saints, for your pastors and leaders. Amen. Show me some love. And for your church. Amen. For you guys, most of you, that's Faith Life Fellowship. For those listening by podcast or visitors that go to another church, that's your church where you're plugged in. But as we go through these tools, I've been given a mandate by the Lord to teach you how to specifically apply them so you can pray more effectively for America. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start with the prayer of binding and loosening. And I know that some people might think that's a little bit odd because that's a little bit controversial because when you start praying the prayer of binding and loosening, you have to use the authority that's given to you by Jesus Christ, and there are some people out there that don't believe we have any authority. I beg to differ, and I'll show you in the scripture why they're wrong. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're going to begin this series with a look at the prayer of binding and loosening. Amen. It's been misunderstood, misapplied, and misused, but it doesn't mean it's not a legitimate tool of prayer given to us by the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. So as I prayed and meditated upon all of this, and as I prayed over the month since I've had that dream, and asked the Lord, how should I start this list, he said, start with binding and loosen. I was like, okay, that seems like that's the caboose, and the Lord said, no, it's driving the train. I said, all right, praise the Lord. So let's get right into it. Hallelujah. Matthew 16, verse 18 and 19. This is the King James Version. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, did Jesus say that? Jesus said that. Did Jesus mean what he said? Amen. So we can study this verse and find out exactly what he said. Amen. First of all, the word keys there is the Greek word kleis. It means key or keys. And since the keeper of the key has the power to open or shut, it's used figuratively throughout the Old and the New Testament as a symbol of power and authority. Amen. The word bind is the word deo. It means to bind, to tie or fasten, to fasten with chains, to throw in chains, to put under obligation, to forbid, prohibit, to declare to be illicit or illegal. Wow. Hallelujah. The word loose is the Greek word luo, and it means to loosen anything that is bound or fastened in any way to release from obligation the exact opposite of the word bind amen you bind something then you loose it amen hallelujah now here's a couple of examples in the scriptures that use both terms binding and loosing you remember over there in luke 13:16 jesus encountered a woman that had been bowed over for 18 years by some form of demonic arthritis. And he said to everyone around him, Ought not this woman, this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from her bond on the Sabbath day? She was bound by Satan, but Jesus said, We're going to loose her in church. Amen. On the Sabbath day then uh, over there in John eleven forty four, 44, Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead, he was bound. The scripture says he was bound with grave clothes. And Jesus looked at everybody and he said, loose him and let him go. Amen. So you get the concept. You can bind, strap, chain, constrict, tie somebody up. But when you loose, you loose them of those things. Amen. I want to paint a picture in your mind as we go along here what exactly is being talked about. The Amplified Classic says it's so awesome. Matthew sixteen nineteen, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, declare unlawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. I love it the way the Amplified ties it to the finished work of the cross. If you're going to bind something, it has to be something that's already been bound in heaven, tied to the finished work of the cross. If you're going to loose something, it has to be loosed in accordance with what's already been loosed by the finished work of the cross, the purchased possession that belongs to us through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You can't just bind and loose anything you want to bind and loose. You have to bind and loose in accordance with the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And the Word of God says, it is finished. Amen. Hallelujah. What was bought for us through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ is already settled in heaven. Amen. It's a done deal. It already belongs to you. Hallelujah. All we're doing when we pray the prayer of binding and loosen is enforcing over the devil and his band of outlaws what has already been given to us legally. He has no right to keep it, but sometimes you have to take it from him by force. Amen. Amen. Matthew eleven twelve. 12, Jesus said, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. You know, that's not a bad thing necessarily. I believe what Jesus was saying, listen, I am here to bring things back to humanity, to restore things back to humanity, which were stolen and lost in the fall. And there are forces in the heavenlies that are going to try and keep those promises from coming to the people of God. But the violent, militant ones will take it by force. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said last week, sometimes the devil is like a squatter. You know, to be redeemed means to buy back. Say you had a piece of property and it was redeemed for you and you were given the title deed. But the occupants of that house that you own were squatting there because they've lived there for so long. You know, it's legally yours you're going to have to go over there and physically remove them from the premises because that's now your property, you have the title deed. Sometimes you have to do that in the realm of the Spirit. Yeah, it belongs to you, but sometimes you have to take it by force. I heard that Gordon Lindsay, he's the one who founded Christ for the Nations, he was part of the Voice of Healing and the Healing Revivals in the 1950s, and I heard that he said, Christians should pray at least one militant prayer every day. (laughs) Get your hands off my finances, Satan, in the name of Jesus. You can't curse who God has blessed. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you just get militant, you know. It's okay. It's all right. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whoo. All right, let's get back to this. little rabbit path there, but a good one, eh? Let's talk about the origins of the keys of the kingdom. What exactly does that mean and where did that come from? Go back to Isaiah 22, verse 20 through 22, and I'm going to read this to you, and I'll, I'll break it apart and we'll break it down. It says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. And I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle and I will commit thy government into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder so he shall open and none shall shut and he shall shut and none shall open. Now I'm going to give you the background on this scripture. Eliakim was a godly man who replaced the self-serving, sniveling, underhanded traitor Shebna as the courtier of the kingdom of Judah under King Hezekiah, as was prophesied by Isaiah in the passage we just read. Now, a courtier was kind of like a modern-day chief of staff. He ran the kingdom and the house of the kingdom for the king kind of like a prime minister almost. And so God removed Shibna because he was unworthy and he was sniveling and he was taking deals under the table, using his position to enrich himself. And God removed him and he put a more godly man in his place. Amen. So Eliakim had authority under Hezekiah over all his house, over all his kingdom. So if you consider Hezekiah to be a type of the father, stay with me then surely Eliakim is a type of Jesus Christ to whom the Father God has given all power and all authority over the kingdom of God. Do you see that? So we go to Revelation 3, 7, and we can tie this together. Now this is Jesus given the letter to the churches to the Apostle John. He says here in verse 7, Revelation 3, verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Notice the similarity of the words of Jesus concerning the key of David in this passage compared to the passage we just read from Isaiah. Very similar passage. So clearly the key of David is a messianic type that Isaiah uses to point to the greater son of David, Jesus Christ, the one who would one day hold the keys of the kingdom of heaven, a symbol of the absolute authority that would be given unto him by the Father God. Amen? So the key of David are what the New Testament calls the keys of the kingdom. They're the same thing. Same thing. And it's interesting that In the old covenant days, when you appointed a courtier and you made him head over your household, they would actually give them a key, a big key, which was symbolic of the authority that they held. You know, Jesus said, I open doors that no man can shut and I close doors that no man can open. He's talking about that same realm of authority, the keys of the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew twenty eight, eighteen 18 is uh, Matthew's version of the Great Commission. He makes it real clear. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word there for power is the Greek word exousia, means authority. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Amen. Hallelujah. And after Jesus delivered the Great Commission, he delegated the authority that was given unto him to the church. Amen. He said, Go ye therefore, and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark's account in chapter 16 says, Go into the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Again, it speaks of the authority that had been delegated to them to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Why? To confirm the word and the truth of the word that they were preaching. Amen. It's all about authority. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's going to get cool. So the fact that the authority, the keys of the kingdom of heaven have been passed to us is made clear in Mark 16, 18, and 19. He said to Peter, listen, I'm giving you the keys. You're a representative of the future body of Christ and whatever you use these keys to bind or loose will be bound or loosed. Amen. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Why? Because we have the keys that can unlock the gates and set the captives free. Hallelujah. Can you get excited about that? Hallelujah. We have the keys that we can use to stop the attack of the enemy against our nation whether it's a plot to undermine our government, to erode our righteousness as a nation, or whether it's an outright attack against our people, our infrastructure, our police, or our military, we've got the keys, we have the authority, and we can stop the plan of the enemy dead in its tracks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We can use our authority to bind and cancel the attacks of the enemy and loose the angels of heaven to wage warfare on behalf of our nation. Psalm 103, verse 20 and 21 in the Darby translation. This is awesome. You might have to run on this one. Bless Jehovah, ye his angels, mighty in strength, that execute his word, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless Jehovah, all ye His host, ye ministers of His that do His will. What is His will? His word is His will. And if you will speak the word, you'll launch angels, whether you know it or not, you'll launch angels who will go out there to execute that word on your behalf. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I want to wrap it up with a testimony. It's great to see it in the scriptures, but it's also great to see it in practical application. Back in the summer of 2014, Trisha and I were still living in Louisiana, 138 Downing Court, Bozier City, 71111. That's where we were living. And it was a time where I began to pray for America. I began to pray for America. It was a season that summer. The Lord led me to pray for America. I knew change was coming and that darkness was going to resist the change. So the Lord said, I want you to pray for America. Hallelujah. And so that summer, I prayed a lot in the spirit. I prayed in tongues and I found myself slipping into the prayer of binding and loosing. Now, to be honest with you, that Prayer, that type of prayer had laid dormant in my life for many years. And I was kind of surprised to see it come up in my spirit. And it kept coming up in my spirit. The more I prayed in the spirit that summer, it seemed like the more that I was praying, binding and loosen. I kept saying, Lord, this is old school. This is old school. You want me to pray this way? It was like the Holy Ghost said, it's old school, but it's still Bible. And you need to pray this way from time to time. Amen. Glory to God. So. I was in the mode of praying for America. A typical prayer would go something like this. Lord, I bind the secret plans of the enemy against America in Jesus' name. And I ask you to loose the angels of God to cancel any destructive assignments against our people, our churches, or our infrastructure, or our leaders in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of thing that kept coming up in my spirit. And after several weeks of praying like this, I had a dream. Y'all know I'm a dreamer, so just hang with me. In the dream, I snuck into enemy headquarters as a spy, and I was sent there by the Lord to spy out the plans of the enemy. But I was detected by the enemy. I made a hasty exit out of back door and got as far as I could, as quick as I could, away from enemy headquarters. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, yeah, they're on to you. They know you're here. But there's nothing they can do about it. Don't stop praying like this. I realized then when I woke up from the dream that my praying of binding and loosening, my praying in the Holy Ghost was doing some things in the spirit was 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 discovering and unveiling the plans of the enemy so they could be thwarted by the angels of God. It was an awesome confirmation that I was praying the right way and I was on track. Amen. Hallelujah. Fast forward a week or so to two days before 9-11-2014. Two days before the anniversary of 9-11 in 2014, I felt specifically led of the Lord to pray against any shenanigans or any plans that might be planned for the anniversary of 9-11. And so I was praying in the spirit. I was binding and loosening. And when I was praying that night, all of a sudden, my prayers took a little different twist, a little bit more specific direction. And I found myself slipping into praying for the safety of our U.S. senators and congressmen. I just kept praying that way, and kept praying that way, and kept praying that way. And I said, Lord, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats or what their political stripes are, they are Americans and I'm praying for their safety. And when I said that, I saw in my mind's eye the image of a well-dressed black man. He had a suit on, and he had a vest. And I knew in my spirit that he was a Democratic congressman. I just didn't know what his name was. I just knew it. So I kept praying, and I kept praying, and I knew in my spirit I was praying for this man. And after praying for a few more minutes, this is what came out. Lord, I bind any attacks of the enemy against our U.S. senators and congressmen, and I command any bombs that might be fashioned against them to either prematurely detonate or fail to ignite. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? We're talking about bombs? It took me off guard, but it come right up out of my spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I ask you to loose the angels of heaven to wage warfare on their behalf and to protect them from physical harm. I cancel the assignment of the enemy against our U.S. congressmen and senators in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, after I prayed, I went to bed. Two days later, on the morning of 9-11, I was up early in the morning, and I read a story online of how the FBI discovered that someone had hurled two firebombs at the windows of the offices of Congressman Emanuel Cleaver of Missouri, who was at the time the chairman of the Black Congressional Caucus. Listen to this part. With fuses lit, the story read, the bombs had failed to penetrate the window. They smashed on the concrete below and failed to ignite. Hallelujah. I about fell out of my chair. I was like, holy Lord, God almighty. That's what I was praying about. And then I tried to get all humble. Well, now, Lord, I know there's a lot of people praying for America because it's, you know, it's 9-11. A lot of people was praying. It just wasn't me. And the Lord, he spoke to me very clearly. He said, yes, that's true. But this attack was thwarted because of your prayers. Extremely humbling experience. Two things came to my mind. The power that was available in my prayers that I was only beginning to understand. And number two, I asked myself the question, why haven't you been praying like this more often and more regularly? Amen. And ever since that day, I have endeavored to pray that way more often and more regularly. And I don't shy away from binding and loosen anymore, even though it it's old school in some people's mind. It's old school, but it's Bible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A few weeks later, I had another dream again about enemy headquarters, and I snuck in. My My assignment this time was to sneak into enemy headquarters, find the control center, and destroy the control center. So in the dream, I worked my way up like Mission Impossible, you know. Yeah, you know, it was really cool, you know. I was acting like I really knew what I was doing, you know, and I worked my way and evaded capture or nobody knew I was there. And I worked my way all the way up to the control center and I walked into this control center and I see on the far wall, there's just a, just racks and racks and racks of computer servers from the wall backwards towards the door. There were rows of desks and I knew in my spirit that they were assignment desks And on each desk, there was a nameplate, and there was uh, either somebody's name, the name of a place, or the name of an organization on those nameplates. I knew those were assignments planned against those people, places, or things. I knew it in my spirit. So I ran right to the front of the room, and I started ripping these computer servers out of the racks, pulling the wire bundles out of their connections, and just dashing them against the floor wreaking havoc, hallelujah, and I would just smash server after server after server, and after I did this for a while, I felt led to turn around and look at the assignment desks, and I noticed that every time I threw a server down, a name would disappear off of one of those plates. Names began disappearing one by one until all the assignments were canceled. And then a couple of enemy soldiers came in and watched me wreck their control center. This is the funny part. One of them said to the other, he thinks he's some super secret agent. But I just kept smashing things. And then I heard the Lord. I heard him speak to me audibly in the dream as, as before. He said, don't pay any mind to them. They know you're here, but they can't do anything to stop you. Don't stop. Praying this way. Amen. Hallelujah. So I have it on the authority of the word of God. And he's shown me through the spirit in dreams that binding and loosing are powerful and effective. And they're not old school. They are Bible. Hallelujah. They are for today. And you can use binding and loosing to pray for America. Amen. Bind the plans of the enemy to undermine the righteousness of this nation. And we loose the angels of God to come wage warfare on behalf of America. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We will fulfill our divine destiny as a nation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. There's at least one thing that you can derive from this message. That'll bring hope to you right now. Amen. I know we've talked about the proclamation. Now we talked about one of the tools, but there's something in there for you to munch on. Amen. Whatever God spoke to your heart, receive that part of the message and say, you know, the other stuff was good. But that part right there, I'm taking that. I'm a, That's that's mine. I'm going to use that. I'm a walk in that. Amen. That was prophetic, by the way. That's for somebody here, maybe more than one person. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so please don't underestimate the prayer of binding and loosing. We have authority to use the keys of the kingdom to bind and loose in Jesus' name. And we can use that authority to absolutely plunder the plans and the attacks of the enemy against our nation. These prayers are powerful and effective, and we need to get back to pray in that way. Amen. Just like Jesus said, don't stop Pray in this way. Amen. So stay tuned next week as we continue our series on Tools of Prayer for America. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed part one of today's message titled Tools of Prayer for America. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.